Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're talking with Pastor Todd Mullins. Todd and his wife, Julie, are the senior pastors of Christ Fellowship Church in West Palm Beach, Florida, a multi-site, multi-ethnic congregation impacting South Florida and beyond. Todd also serves on the lead team of ARC, Association of Related Churches. Lean in as Todd shares insights about successful transitions, leading together, and keys for developing the right culture in your organization. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Avail Leadership Podcast. We love this every time we have an opportunity to sit down with an unbelievable leader, uh, in this case, an unbelievable pastor, uh, somebody who's going to really challenge us uh, in our leadership, challenge us in the way we think as leaders uh, and as a pastor. Uh, today, we have Pastor Todd Mullins, a senior pastor of Christ Fellowship the church in West Palm Beach, Florida, a multi-site, multi-ethnic congregation uh, throughout South Florida, alongside with his wife, Julie Mullins. Uh, Todd uh, and Julie pastor an amazing church. We're going to talk a lot about how they got to that position. And they also have just so much wisdom to pour into so many of us as leaders and pastors. Pastor Todd, thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your insights here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. I am honored to be a part of it and looking forward to talking today and uh, learning and growing together. There's always so much we can learn if we just keep our hearts open, spirits open, we're ready, ready to go, man. Love it. Love it. Hey, I'll say this here at the top before we jump into the conversation, Pastor Todd, um, you really are a blessing to so many, to so many pastors, so many leaders, uh, including myself and my wife. Uh, We really look up to you and Julie, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, tapping into some of that wisdom and and just hearing a little bit about what's what's on your heart. I know some people are getting to know you here on the Avail Leadership Podcast, maybe for the first time. A lot of people know who you are, but some are just getting to know you. Can you share a little bit about your story? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So a little bit about me. I am uh, madly in love with my seventh grade girlfriend, (laughs) who I later married, not in seventh grade. Actually, I got out of college. Uh, I love our kids. I love Jesus. I love his church. I love what we get to do together. And I love coffee. I might even be a little addicted to coffee. Y'all need to pray for me to be delivered, I think. But uh, but Christ Fellowship started my parents' living room back in the 80s when I was in high school. And then I went off to college and came back and jumped in right away, helping to serve, um, you know, where anywhere I could. I was my dad. I was the youth guy. I was the worship guy. I was the janitor. <laughs> I was my dad's secretary and car washer, whatever needed to be done. Right. But my dad was not always a uh, pastor. Like, so I, I didn't grow up as a PK. Uh, I, my dad was a football coach and we were always at church, always serving at church. My parents were actively involved at church as if they were on staff somewhere. So the love for church, man, that was put in my heart a long time ago and that community and the family and what happens in a biblical faith community, what, what God does and has sovereignly chosen to do through his church, through his body. I got it as a young age. So Growing up, I didn't plan to be a pastor, didn't want to be a pastor. I, I wanted to be a doctor and went to a prep school to, to kind of go down that road. And right before mm. I got off to college, I really felt the Holy Spirit grab my heart and say, all that you've seen growing up, this love for the house of God, I want you to help build the house of God. And so right before I headed off to college, I changed my path. I guess wow. God changed my path. And I actually made that decision 
before our church started. So people tell me all the time that I followed in my dad's footsteps, but I kind of I jab him a little bit and say, actually, Dad, I you followed in my footsteps because <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of how I got here. And we have been loving serving all along. About 11 years ago, uh, we transitioned in leadership and Julie and I stepped in to be the senior pastors. But before that, for 20 plus years, we served in any and nearly every capacity. Maybe mm. there were a few that I didn't get to, but man, wherever the need was, our heart um, Julie always puts it this way. She said, um, uh, through the years, our calling has been the same, but our assignment has changed. Yeah. So the, the calling to build the church, the local church, to help people fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with the word and follow him. That's been our calling from day one. It's uh, the assignments have sometimes been, you know, clean up the sanctuary and get it ready for Sunday or, you know, go work in the children's ministry because that's where the need is right now. And I think I think a lot of people get discouraged when what they think they're calling and their assignment aren't lining up. But if you're just faithful in your assignment, God will get you to your calling because he wants you to get there more than you even want to get there. That's so good. You know, uh, there's a lot you and I have in common, especially um, I'm also a pastor's kid. And, and, and for a long time, my dad, you know, kind of resisted the just church thing. And and then. Um, even even when we were going through our transition, I remember giving you a call at one point and just getting a little bit of wisdom and feedback from you. But I think I, could you speak a little to that to, to the transition? So you you know you 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 came to a point where you understood God's calling on your life, uh, but obviously initially you just you're doing whatever you could could do as your servant under your father, doing whatever needs to be done. Uh, and then that moment comes when transition comes. You and Julie now step into the you know, the lead pastor role together now. Um, that, that's a big, it's a big change for the church, especially after, you know, I think it was 20 years. Um, it's a, it, that could be a challenge for a church. Can you talk to us a little bit about the transition? Sure. Absolutely. We've actually, um, my dad and I have gone out and spoken to churches and help and we're in the process of helping several churches right now that are, that are facing transition and in the middle of it. Uh, and I have nothing but just amazing things to say for how my dad led yeah. the transition, which is re it's really on the senior leader, the one that's stepping into the next season of life and needing to pass the baton. They've got to they've got to lead the way on this thing. Um, one of the things I realized at the beginning is I had to get ready. It, it wasn't mine to take. It was his to give. Mm -hmm. But I had to keep myself in a posture of readiness and preparing myself for so that when he said, hey, I believe now is the time. I'm ready. Now we talked a lot about it and he asked a lot of questions and I was able to actually participate in the journey. We talked about it a lot, to be honest with you. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, recommendations, encouragements I give to people is just start talking about it. Even if you're not sure exactly when the date's going to be or how it's all going to look or who's going to do what when, just start the conversation yeah. and be okay with not resolving it for a while. And so we talked for years about it before we actually entered into what was a 18-month co-pastoring where he and I co-pastored the congregation. By the wow. time we had gotten there, we had already communicated with our elders what was happening there. They were, were under their covering, so they had to give full blessing and, and want for this. Um, and then we'd already talked to our staff. We had already, dad had already talked, spoken with all the key influencers in the church, um, people that have been around forever and just mm. had bought into the vision. <clears throat> and, um, and so by the time we actually began the co-pastoring, that was really just for the congregation at large to go, oh, something's happening and everything looks fine. But we just took our time with it. 18 months of that. Now, during that 18 months, my dad did not 
uh, he was not leading internally. So he was letting Julie and I begin to lead team, mm-hmm. lead staff, hire the staff we want. And he was there and very present, but he was on the front row and we were leading kind of the, helping to lead the organization. Now, he he didn't let me you know drive something off the side of the cliff either. He, if he saw some mistake I was making, he would say, hey, son, come here. We got to talk about this. And yeah. I wanted to listen because I wanted to learn. And so, uh, you know, I we just really took when you think about it, leadership is all about transitioning all of leadership, no matter whoever's listening today, no matter where they are leading in their church, ministry or business organization. Leadership is all about transitioning. Leaders have to see the change that needs to happen before anybody else sees it needs to happen. They've got to prepare themselves for that change. They got to prepare the people they're leading for that change. Um, They're constantly as leaders, we're constantly looking down the road, helping other people grow so that they can take on more leadership. So we're constantly modeling it, mentoring somebody, motivating them to take it on, raising Mm -hmm. up leaders, raising up volunteers to give our job away. So we just took that principle and executed it the highest part of our of the organization and um, i always say great leaders leave room for other leaders to lead Hmm. great leaders don't use up all the leadership oxygen and all the decisions and all the great leaders they leave room so that other leaders can can find their footing and find their way and have have a go my dad is a great leader he did that for me Um, i also say great leaders don't try to hold on to power they're constantly trying to give it away and so as as a leader today, even though I'm not transitioning now, I'm thinking about it and I'm going down the road someday that's going to happen. So I need to be transitioning parts of my job now to people and giving away power, authority, decision-making things early so I can coach and guide those decisions along the way, but really let them have a, have a go. So we did that uh, 12 years ago. uh, We, we transitioned. Yeah, that's so good. And I think, I mean, I mean, honestly, uh, Pastor Todd, I think we can all agree uh, not all transitions are done well, right? Not not all church transitions uh, ha- have a happy ending or, a, you know, a, a happy process, if you will. But but f- observing from the outside over the last years and, and hearing the story, it really is amazing uh, what you guys were able to do. To, you know, and I say, you know, you together with your father, I, I know that, I know that passing the leadership baton is a book yeah. that the Lord put on your dad's heart. Right. And, and, and could you give us some, I guess, some wisdom or some advice, maybe even from, from that book? Absolutely. Because I think yeah. It was a book that we were supposed to write together, but we didn't start it till after the transition. And by then I was too busy. So I think I wrote the, uh, the closing <laughs> little add on chapter at the end, you know, one of those, but it's a great book. And if anybody's thinking about transitioning, even down the, down the road, you can pick the book up on Amazon, uh, passing the leadership baton by Tom Mullins. But in there, one of the things that we, that my father hits on is that in every organization change isn't optional. It's inevitable. Like for an organization, to reach its potential mm-hmm. or a church to reach its potential for a business to reach its potential change constant change cannot look like something we try to avoid and so many times especially when an organization or church gets established mm-hmm. or a leader gets established in place they they think about trying to hold on to the things as they are rather than embracing change and going man time's changing things are changing culture's changing 
you know, things that don't change, obviously the mission of the church, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that doesn't change, but how we do it and how we're going to reach people now post pandemic is so different than yeah. how the church was reaching people pre pandemic things change. And so embracing those changes, there's a book I read uh, years ago by Henry cloud called necessary endings. Mm-hmm. And I go back to that book ever so often, just to remind myself you know, as I get older, don't try to hold on, man, figure out ways to keep adapting, keep staying fluid and flexible for change. And um, so so that was one of the things that we hit in the book. We also talk in the book that if you're a person that is uh, getting ready to take on the, the assignment, the new. And again, again, you don't have to think about this just as a senior pastor passing this off to another senior pastor. It could be a youth pastor mm-hmm. that's getting ready to take on a different role of assignment in uh, their church could be a manager that's getting ready to rise up to another area of leadership. We have to prepare ourselves to receive it, which sometimes there's delay in that transition. I know in our, in our season of transition, it got a little delayed. Like I thought, I thought it was going to be a little sooner than it was. And for a lot of people that can be frustrating. Like we want it now. Yeah. thought we said by now things were, you know, going to, going to be different or things would be transitioned. And I just started thinking, you know, you've got to always, uh, if, if God has you waiting for this before you're in good company, you know, I think it was Abraham had to wait 25 years yeah. for the promise of Isaac and Joseph had to wait 13 years to get from the pit to the palace. And David had to wait 20 some years from the time he was anointed as king to actually being king. So there's all these delay that's built in that God does a work in the middle of the delay. Mm. So I would challenge somebody who's maybe in a delay period of a transition. They want to see it happen. Um, Just look for God's design in the delay. Look for what God is orchestrating. Look for what God is doing. One of the reasons we had a delay uh, in the transition is a, is about the time we were beginning to make the transition the first time uh, dad had talked John Maxwell into coming up to our teaching team. Well, all of a sudden the teaching slots that I was going to get got filled by John Maxwell. So I had to, I had to um, deal with my response to that. Was I going to be like, Oh gosh, can't believe John Maxwell <laughs> is going to be teaching. Or was I going to go, Oh my gosh, John Maxwell is going to be part of our teaching team. I can actually look at this as an opportunity to grow and learn and learn from one of the best leaders and communicators on the planet today Mm. and and flip the script a little bit instead of thinking it's discouraging. God was just trying to get me more prepared for what I was doing. So I would encourage somebody who's maybe delayed to to just look at how do I prepare myself better and more quality. I went back and got my, uh, my doctoral degree during the delay. Hmm. The delay is, okay, I'm not leading the full organization right now. This might be the time that I need to go back to school. And I did, got my got my doctoral degree. Uh, I also spent a little more time preparing the people around me. The people that were going to be my team, we had a little bit more time to invest in them hmm. and to invest in the people that were going to be taking my place and my role when I stepped up. So if you spend that time preparing yourself, preparing your replacement and then preparing the, the team around you. So for us, that would be the congregation at large that this mm-hmm. transition's coming. Um, more preparation is never bad. It is always going to make things go more smooth. And that's one of the things we hit on the book is how do you prepare yourself? How do you prepare your successor that's coming in? And, and um, really that, that is why I believe one of the reasons why our transition went so smoothly. 
Yeah, that's great. That's a great word and, and a great book, by the way. Uh, if you guys didn't catch that, Passing the Leadership Baton, Tom Mullins, uh, great resource. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit, Pastor Todd, specifically with something that I've noticed uh, in your leadership. Uh, you and Pastor Julie, you guys do such a great job of leading together. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily how things were, you know, before, you know, with you, with your dad and your mom or something that you guys had seen before, but I just think you guys do a masterful job of leading together. Can you talk a little bit about as husband and wife leading together? Yeah, I sure can. Um, Julie is the wind beneath my wings. She and the Holy Spirit, man, I, I am such a better leader because of her. I'm a better person because of her. It's like the Lord knew what I needed back in seventh grade and got us connected there in youth group, met my church, met her in a church youth group. So uh, all the, you know, puppy loves really a puppy, but I, I, she's so smart and gifted in leadership. And we, we say this because we talk to a lot of couples that are interested in trying to lead together. Um, there, it's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. You got to look at the gifts and the callings and the seasons of life. When when our son Jefferson was much younger, uh, my wife wasn't able to lead with as much um, uh, time and energy. She had to devote that to him. And so at that time, we weren't the senior pastors. I was on staff. She was all in, but she was a stay-at-home mom um, homeschooling our son. And then as he grew up and, and got older, she was able to come in and start serving more and taking on more responsibility. And she has a natural gift of leadership. There's actually things that she's much better at at leading our organization than I am. And so we one of the things we encourage couples besides, you know, understanding your own gift mix is make sure that you define who's responsible for what. Mm-hmm. Sometimes couples just go, we don't lead together. And and so the wife's just saying certain things and the husband doesn't know where she, what she said and who said what. And the staff is confused because they're not sure who's who they're supposed to take direction mm-hmm. from. And that can bring massive confusion to a church. Yeah. So one of the things we did right up front was begin to clearly define the areas that Julie was going to be responsible to lead and give direction on and the areas that I was leading and giving direction on. And so we were truly co-leading the organization. And we just we just really put the things that were in Julie's strength in her side, her bucket, mm. and then the things that were in my strength in my bucket. And because of that, we're able to carry so much more together. If I could not lead this organization as a senior pastor by myself anywhere near to the extent that I'm leading with Julie. Like it is, we it, it has multiplied our impact, right? But there's, but we've had to communicate to our team. Our team had never mm-hmm. seen that before. My dad, my mom has always been involved. She has, uh, when she was with the pastor, she was leading the women's ministry. She was involved in prayer and intercession and, and counseling, but more, more not leading staff and maybe not leading mm-hmm. the platform. And when we were stepping in through the season, I knew that, we, that Julie and I had a different, unique call on our lives yeah. for, this, for this next season. And so we really went to prayer about what that what that together call meant for us. Mm. And for, as a church, we didn't have any problem with women in leadership. We just didn't have a whole lot of women in leadership. And my dad is an old football coach and John Maxwell's around. Mm. So we had a lot of um, just a lot of men leading Had women that were leading in children's and leading different areas, but not helping to give organizational leadership. Yeah. And so we actually went on a, I went on a very long, probably it was over a year journey of study mm-hmm. uh, on the biblical uh, direction 
on women in leadership. I yeah. wanted to look at the full preponderance of scripture, not just one or two verses that have been used uh, or that that people think it would eliminate women from leading. And, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to look at the whole of it. And so our church didn't have a, a negative stance towards it. We just didn't have a position on it. So I was like, I want to search the scriptures to go, what does God say in the full preponderance mm-hmm. of scripture as you do when you build out the theology? And so that led to a, a, a month, a year of me studying that and leaning into a lot of pastors that I didn't go just to pastors that I knew would agree with me. I went to mm-hmm. pastors that even they would not necessarily maybe come from that background or persuasion to go help me discern what this means in the Old Testament as a, in conjunction with what Paul is saying here. And we really got into the, the foundations of that. I'm probably getting too deep for you here now, but I have a whole white paper on it. If uh, and we've shared it with a lot of churches, if you're if you're any of your listeners are interested, we can make that available for you and let them grab that if they want. But as we then discovered that, then we taught our staff that and it just began to lay a new foundation. And for Julie, it was so much less about her leading. She didn't want, she didn't need to be called Pastor Julie. She didn't need to, she wasn't looking for any kind of control or leadership, but she did feel like there's a bunch of girls coming behind her that if she didn't step up, they never could. And so one of the things um, that the Lord had showed me as I was in prayer and fasting about our season of leading before we stepped in was that God wanted us, wanted me to get um, uh, the next generation and women in the right place of leadership in the church. And so as we began to bring leadership to the church, those were one of the things that we really looks a lot different now than maybe it did before, but we were building off a great foundation. So, I mean, that's, that's easy, right? I love it. I think I, I would be very interested in reading up some on some of that that you put together, and I'm sure some of our listeners would as well. Um, I think I think this is kind of following on the same uh, conversation, and I, and I really do think you guys do an excellent job. Uh, I've been at conferences where you and Julie have taught together, you know, and led together, um, and and had ex- that experience together with my wife, and we do a lot of leading together as well. But I think I think you're right. I think the Lord. Uh, is giving you guys a voice and a, and a position to really help a lot of uh, leaders and pastors and couples that that have that together calling. You know, mm-hmm. you said it's not one size fits all, right. uh, but but it's so great to see it in action. Like it's so great to see and say, "Wow, yes, it, you can do it. It can mm-hmm. be done." You know, it, th- there's something special about that. Um, a, couple, a couple of practical points, if I can interrupt you on this, yeah. um, that Julie and I learned the hard way is that. Uh, you need to have a meeting set up at the office in the middle of the week with just the two of you, because we were carrying so much home with us and then having wow. to constantly talk about church and issues and things, which, you know, any a married couple of ministry is probably going to do some of that anyway. But we, we were able to divert most of the conversations around that to our Tuesday meeting. Hmm. Unless it, if you can't wait, of course, let's talk about it. But if one of us brings it up naturally, the other one, is free to go, hey, can that wait till Tuesday? Oh, yeah, sorry, that can wait till Tuesday. And it's just created a little bit of separation for us to enjoy good. You know, the, the breaks we need. Because when you are leading together, the real uh, the negative side effect is you are constantly in it. Our offices are together. We are, we're in most of the same meetings together. Uh, the meetings we're not in together, we need to talk about later. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that, that care, can consume life. And we want to make sure we're investing in the two of us because when – we're no longer senior pastors. We're still going to be married to each other. And if we don't invest in the marriage and in uh, the relationship now, there won't be anything there 
when we're all done doing this. And so we have been very intentional about that. We've got a mentor, uh, Lance Witt, who helps stay in our face and our life about that, making sure that's healthy. It's good. We are healthy as a couple first. As a, my first ministry is to her. And then everything good is going to flow out of that. We tell, uh, we've said to pastors before, uh, the greatest sermon you can ever preach is your marriage. Mm-hmm. As they may not remember exactly what you said three months ago when you preached that, but when they see the way you love your wife and wife loves their husband and, and, and the way you care for one another and speak to one another, that's casting a vision that is completely different than what the world is portraying. And we have an opportunity to set a different um, set a different tone for marriages and families in our churches. That's such a good word. Such a good word. Um, I want to mention something, Pastor Todd, and, and I can give testimony to this personally. When you walk into a Christ Fellowship church in West Palm Beach, there's something special in the atmosphere. Mm. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about culture? I know, I know this is something that you and Julie talk a lot about. Yeah. What is it? How do you define it how do you craft it because there's something there's an amazing culture and atmosphere when you walk into christ fellowship mm. um i would love for you to touch a little bit on that with everybody yeah i would i, I could talk about this for days so make sure you know wave a hand when i get going too long because <laughs> we are passionate about about this topic in fact in that 18 month period when we weren't leading fully dad was still the, you know, we were co-pastors, but he mm-hmm. was my pastor and my dad. So there were certain things we couldn't do, but there was a lot of things we could do. And in the area that we could do, it was begin to really redefine culture and build mm-hmm. that platform strong. Now, we've always had a great culture. My dad is one of the most, uh, John Maxwell tell us, told me he's the most intuitive leader he has ever met. My mm-hmm. father is. So my dad just intuitively knows how things should be and how people should be led. And and I've learned a lot from just watching him. Yeah. But what we realized is that when it comes to culture, that works when you can be around maybe small or tight, but as soon as you start growing and expanding and multiple mm-hmm. campuses, uh, everybody kind of does what is right in their own eyes. And so we had to, in those 18 month windows, we really began to define what our culture is and what it would be. And so what we went into it with was we want to use words that are both descriptive and prescriptive. Mm-hmm. They're going to describe what is and what we like, but they're also going to prescribe what we want to see and mm-hmm. how we're going to behave, how we're going to do what we do. And um, you've heard me say before that every church or every business has a culture, either yeah. by default or by design. It's there. Like if it's by default, it's by uh, whatever's picked up. Whatever attitude is the strongest, whoever's having a bad day, that influences the culture or mm-hmm. by design. It is on purpose. It is intentional. It is There's accountability built into the design of this. And so as leaders, I believe one of our greatest assignments is to design and define the culture of our organization. And we, when, when I share with the pastors how we did this, first, you've got to be it. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> As leaders, you have to be the culture. Um, you can't build something that you are not, right? So if you want a culture that is life-giving, then you've got to be a life-giving leader. If you want a culture that is generous, then guess what? You've got to be generous. Mm-hmm. If you want a culture that's kind, then you have to be a kind person. If you want a culture that is faith-filled, then we're going to believe God for, then guess what's got to be coming out of my mouth? If I want that, i got to be. So the first thing is I, I've got to build 
I have to be what I want to build. I can't want a positive faith-filled culture and go around being critical and negative and fault finding. And why did this happen? And why did they do that? I mean, that song's wrong and these lights are bad. And if that's my temperament, that's what I'm going to reproduce as the right. leader. So, yeah. so surely as a leader, we see things that we want to fix and change, but even how we address that and when we address that will have an impact on the culture. So the first thing is you got to be the culture. The second thing is, um, you've got to become obsessed with uh, defining the culture. And so I used to think culture could be caught. That if people that joined our team and leaders that came on, man, just being in the culture, just jump in the pool, man, you'll get it. I mean, you're going to feel it. It's going to be, you'll understand the Christ fellowship way. Until we heard one day, a new staff member was on team and somebody said, oh yeah, that's not the Christ fellowship way. It'll take you about two years for you to figure out what that is, but you're going to get it. And we, we heard that. We we're like, oh no. We don't have two years for them to get this. We got to pull up and figure out what's going on. Wow. Basically, what happened is we realized that we needed to articulate what we wanted to see from our leaders. So Julie and I went away and we began to write out these leadership values. And they are different than our core values. You know, every every church has you know core values. Every organization has some core values. They're probably pretty similar or every or or broad enough that anything, you know, anything that even, you know, Jellicle full of faith people would put in there. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's leader values. And that's different because that's, that's setting the culture. And uh, so we began to, we have 10 of them. I'm not, I wouldn't go through all 10 of them because it can take me days to do that. But just one of them <laughs> that we have is that we create environments that are full of it. So one of our leader values that you have to embody if you're on our, if you're on our team, meaning staff or volunteers, is that we create environments that are full of it. So around Christ fellowship, if somebody says you're so full of it, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> and we define what we want to see you full of. We want you full of faith, full of fun, full of family. And so we tell them, listen, we're going to create environments that are full of faith, which means if I want an environment that's full of faith, then I have to be a person that's yeah. full of faith. That's I good. Have to come with my faith I got to come prayed up to church mm -hmm. so that when I encounter somebody in the lobby who's going through a rough place, I can pray with them. And when they get That's done good. praying with me, they're going to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and their faith is going to be stirred in them, even if they have to borrow some of my faith. If, if I go face a problem in a meeting that I'm at, because I am living full of faith, I'm not going to be gloom and doom as I'm facing this problem. I'm going to be mm -hmm. looking for God to speak and show us how to, how to solve the problem. So we're actually going to be full of faith. And so we create environments that are, are full of faith, full of fun. Man, we it's one of our core values is let's have fun. I mean, I think it's C.S. Lewis that said that joy is the serious business of heaven. And we... Um, I grew up in a great church before Christ Fellowship started, and there was the, the joy of the Lord was present, and it made me want to go to church. But mm -hmm. a lot of people grew up in churches where they were just kind of holding on for dear life and trying to get through the service. And I'm like, man, we have endured enough. Let's enjoy being in the house of God. And so if we create environments that are fun, what that means is if we have overflow rooms, we used to have those before COVID, overflow services, um, <laughs> we call them overflow parties. And man, when you showed up there, there was extra food and snacks and people and hosts. And man, it was like a, you walked to the overflow room and you thought you're getting stuck in an overflow room, but you're like, man, this is where I want to be. Um, any chance we have to celebrate something in our church, we celebrate it and we do it. When we bring all of our volunteers together for the big volunteer dream nights, um, uh, we throw a party 
every time. And we had one of our high school students posted on their Instagram after the uh, one a while back that my church throws the greatest parties. And Julie and I thought, man, if she goes off to college and she thinks her church throws the best parties, mm. that's going to shape what kind of parties she's going to go to because we're, we got it going on here. We got dance parties and everything happening afterwards. So we're going to be full. We're going to create environments that people are drawn to, right? Full of faith, full of fun, full of family is, is the last one that's embedded in that leadership value that, you know, we believe and say all the time that church is in a building you go into. It's a family that you can belong to and that you can be yourself. And this is a place where everybody can find their place. And so if that is the environment that we're creating, how do I work that out for people that don't know Jesus yet? How do I work that out? Mm. People that have um, disabilities and they're in their, you know, they, they don't know where they fit. Maybe when they go to school, I want this to be the place where they fit, where they belong, where they have a place to serve and they can add value to what we're doing as a church family. And so that really, um, becomes a, a way that we express family. I mean, family cares, family loves, family puts up with the, with a lot of stuff, right? And so how do we work that out? So that's just one of our leader values. But we, what we did is with every leader value, we, uh, we have a lesson with scriptures and examples, and then we teach it to our staff, and then our staff teaches it to their teams of volunteers. And right now we have volunteers that are working for our 10 leader values in the Sunday morning huddles. So they're kind of expressing kind of remain, you know, dripping culture constantly because culture leaks. And if not, if, if you don't reinforce the culture of your organization, however you choose to do it, um, it will leak and other subcultures that are there in the mix, hmm. that people have brought with them from their past lives of past churches and past experiences and past hurts and past wounds. They'll bring hmm. that with them into your organization, into your church. And it will begin to pollute the culture. So as leaders, we have to be vigilant on the culture. In fact, I tell my campus pastors, we have 14 campuses. And I tell the campus pastors, your number one job is not preaching. Your number one job is not leading. Your number one job is to carry the culture. Because if you carry the culture, that will shape how you lead. That will shape how you shape the leaders that are going to be leading under you. If you realize, man, I've got to carry what we have said is are defining culture with us so that we are reproducing healthy campuses where people are going to be find the faith and the family and the fun that we want for them. So that's just one of them. So we tell, we tell churches all the time, go get yours, you know, go pull away with your lead team and, and write it on a board. What are the things that define us? What we, what do we want to define us? Um, yeah. So I, I've got all 10 of those. If you want to see them, I can send those to you as well. Somebody might want to look at what they are. Yeah, those are so good. I, you know, I think I think if we're honest, Pastor Todd, um, I think a lot of churches haven't got this. You know, they haven't gotten to this, and and I don't know. Maybe uh, seminary doesn't prepare you necessarily yeah. for some of these aspects <laughs> of church, right? Yeah. And 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 that was one of my, my quick question there before I, before I jump into staff and all that. But but why why is it? Why why do you think it's so hard for churches to really? have this, have a healthy, well thought out culture? Well, I think for us, before we actually, def- we did, we hadn't, it wasn't defined. We had a culture and we had some pieces of it that we talked around, but mm-hmm. we didn't go, wait a minute, let, let's get everything on the table that defines who we are. What's our distinctive? How are we different? How do we yeah. want to see, what do I want to see in my leaders? What do I want to see in my staff? 
How do I want to see them treat people? How do I want to see them pray with people? How do I want to see them live their life uh, in, in this faith community? So I can't expect them to read my mind and uh, just figure it out. So it's on me as the leader to articulate it. And so until we articulated it, and then we were able to build it out, build out the lessons, and then replicate it, it really was just all kind of up in here. And I would get frustrated when I would go to a campus or saw something and I'm like, well, that's not us. And I would get frustrated Mm -hmm. with the person, but the person I should have been frustrated with was me. Mm -hmm. I had never coached them or written it down or, so I think it really goes back to the leader taking the time. We, Julie and I went away for four days and worked on this uh, with, with a, uh, like a life coach pulling this out of us Mm -hmm. and developing it. Then we brought that back to our lead team and we developed a little bit more. Then we brought a few more people in the room and then we nailed it down what it was. And then we began to teach it to our staff. And we took um, more than 10 weeks. It was probably a total of 12 or 14 weeks that we taught this to our team in our weekly staff meeting. And we have weekly staff meetings still to this day. Campuses mm-hmm. spread out all over the place, but we all come together. And most of the time, the lesson around the day has some something to do with our values and our heart. So we may be teaching something else, but man, culture is constantly being re- reestablished so that if it's starting to shift or you've got new people in the room, they're getting it as well. So it's really just taking the time, being intentional. I think yeah. great teams are consistent and intentional with what they focus on. And if you eliminate either one of those, you might be consistent, get together all the time and have coffee and have a good time. Or you can be intentional, but you only do it once every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But consistency and intentionality will will bring a healthy culture. Yeah, that's good. I think, I think as as I think of the concept that Sunday's always coming, I think sometimes as pastors and leaders, if we don't create space intentionally mm-hmm. to d- talk about and develop the culture, it's so easy to just keep going, spinning, yeah. spinning and spinning. And I think that's what I'm really getting out of uh, this conversation is the intentionality that it takes to say, hey, we're going to take time mm-hmm. to talk about this, to craft this, to uh, to develop it for, for our house, for our organization, you know, for the church. That's so good. Um, as, as we're kind of winding down here, Pastor Todd, um, I want to I wanted to ask for some tips on developing a culture of leadership development, because there's one thing, um, and we're going to talk about the Christ Fellowship Com- Conference coming up. We're going to talk about that, but I've, I've seen it when I've been there and I've gone to the conference, just the the quality leaders at Christ Fellowship Church, which is a, is obviously a great reflection of your leadership and, and Julie. Um, can you talk to us just about what are some tips on developing a culture of leadership development? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, when I was praying about going back to when, when before I transitioned into leadership, I had a, a prayer board in my office. And as I was praying about vision for the church and what, moving it forward, um, as the Lord, Holy Spirit laid things on my heart, places, cities, ministries, I'd write it on the board. And as they stayed on the board, if, if the Lord reinforced it, great. If not, I'd erase it. Uh, and across the bottom of the board, I had written School of Biblical Leadership. And one day in prayer, the Holy Spirit said, Todd, if you'll do that well, you'll be able to do all these other things. And mm. and the board was filled with cities and ministries that we wanted to plant and start and things we wanted to do. But right then in that moment, I took my eyes off all those things. And I took we took our best executive pastor, put them on building out and developing the School of Biblical Leadership. All of us on the senior leadership team uh, helped to craft and write the classes 
to build out what we wanted to be. There was, we basically said, you know, card block, you can, whatever you need to spend, spend, let's do this right. Let's build this out. Right. And so we started that, I would say it's been probably seven years ago now. And wow. we have, it has, it has, it's a one year class. Uh, it's every, like, I think it jumps between Thursday night or Monday nights every year. So it's a three and a half hour class. They do work outside, but it's for people, they don't have to quit their jobs, but they're going to, they're going to grow in their leadership abilities. And it's very intentionally built around um, uh, leadership, biblical uh, application and rightly dividing the word of God and then practical mm-hmm. ministry. So those are the three legs of the style that it's built on self-leadership, leading teams, and then practical ministry that you have to do but then also rightly dividing the word of God. And when they come through our school of biblical leadership, they are well equipped to lead and, and take on more. In fact, we, we didn't know how good it was going to be. And you know, we were just, you know, obeying what the Lord put on my heart to do, but we have been able to launch campuses with graduates from our leadership college that wow. were not even full-time on our staff. We were able to launch a whole campus with just a bunch of graduates that said, we'll take it on. We'll do it. Uh, we find new staff members from that because for a year they're in a they're in a cadre of seven people with one leader in a group you know group of a hundred maybe a hundred and fifty but they're in a, they're in a group of seven so mm-hmm. we can really discern where they are on their leadership journey what they need next half the room is probably any given time uh, key volunteers in our church that are leading mm-hmm. the other half are staff members that are kind of newer to Christ fellowship. And instead of me hoping that that youth pastor is going to mentor the new youth pastor, if the new youth pastor goes through our leadership process, I know how they're being mentored. I know right. that they're, how they're being trained. So because of that, that has laid a really strong foundation for us to be able to allow every year, a hundred to 150 people to go through a leadership uh, process that we're able to really speak into their lives. And Julie and I and our leadership team, we still teach the classes to this day because it's that important. I think leader development has to be the number one responsibility for a leader of a growing organization. If your organization isn't growing or you don't want it to grow, you don't need to develop leaders. But if you feel called to grow and reach more and expand and develop, then the only way that happens is through leading other people. So that's one of it. Um, uh, we we have a, you know, a great partnership with Southeastern University that's speaking to the younger uh, college age because what we realized first was that this was hitting more the 28-year-old up until we've had some people as old as 80 going through this, right? Mm-hmm. Still 80 and learning and growing. But we were missing that demographics. So we have that leadership piece. And then just in the last year, we have a a small group on our team that actually identifies uh, uh, leaders on our team that we believe they've they've got more in them. And we've got to help develop. We've got a mind for gold. And so we actually have them take a series of tests. Right now, I would say there's probably 20 or 25 in this leadership pool and they're taking some tests they're being and we assign someone like a life coach a coach over them to help develop them in areas that need to be developed and resource and equip them to get them ready so it's a very customized uh leadership plan for their profile and where they are for some of them it's to help them get them ready to maybe take on more leadership in the organization maybe to be a pastor maybe they're going to go launch their own church what do they need to do for that but we have we've dedicated a lot of Time and senior time to it. It's not just uh, sequestered off to somebody over in another department. 
we all really own it as a senior leadership team. That's so good. I think it's huge. I think the that concept of leadership development is definitely key for any growing organization. All right, Pastor Todd, this has been such a great conversation. Um, so, so I know there's some people that are listening right now. They might be thinking, if only I had a reason to go to West Palm Beach. Hey. If only I had a, a, a reason to go and learn more, you know, from Pastor Todd and Christ Fellowship. Come on, give us some good news. Pastor I've Todd. got the reason for you. February 9th and 10th, 2022, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Wednesday and a Thursday, we are hosting our church conference again. We took a break, of course, last year. 2020, we had it right before the pandemic broke out. It is a... Man, it power-packed conference, and it's. Not, I've gone to conferences where I've left inspired, but I really didn't know what the how to make my ministry any better. And mm-hmm. so we will. It's going to be inspiring, but man, we want to equip you. We want to equip people to help them take things back, and we have breakouts that are so well uh, tooled for every area of ministry we do. We give away the things we built. Uh, we've got our profiles for how we did leadership college. You can take it and go do it for seven people at your church. You don't have to have a hundred people start with seven, get seven in a room and go. So there it's really a great, um, a great conference. I believe it help everybody that really wants to help grow their church, build their culture, strengthen their team, and they can get more information at ChristFellowshipConference.com. ChristFellowshipConference.com. Let me just, I, I got to give a shout out here because in the last a couple of years uh, when it was done, we've taken, I, I think the last time we took over 50 of our team from yes, Vertical Church, including Thank staff, you. key volunteers and leaders. And uh, and I just want to say, you cannot miss this. The Christ Fellowship Conference is top notch. Uh, great, exp- great experiences for all leaders in ministry, for obviously pastors. Um, I know you guys have done in the past kind of a senior pastor experience. Is that something that's probably going to happen yes, in 2020? And then again, it's always sold out and very limited, but we have a separate track for the senior pastors. Uh, and we speak to what senior pastors need to deal with. And so we're a part of the general sessions together, but all the breakouts are done with just senior pastors and spouses. And that takes place um, during those two days as well, February 9th and 10th. Great. February in Florida. Doesn't get any better than that, right? Yes, yes, yes. All right, you guys got to check it out. ChristFellowshipConference.com. You can get more information. I highly recommend it for every pastor, for every leader. Uh, If you're in church, if you're in leadership, if you love the church and you love leadership, this is the place to go. And if you could bring some of your team with you, you will be highly thankful that you did. Uh, Pastor Todd, you guys always do a great job, not only having an amazing lineup of speakers and, and, and pastors and leaders uh, that are relevant and that are, and that are just on the money, uh, but also also the team and the breakout sessions and all the areas that are touched. It's, it's just done with so much excellence. So uh, you got to make sure you go out to the Christ Fellowship Conference for 2022. Hey, Pastor Todd, where can people connect with you? Are you on social media? If people want to hear more from you or connect with you. Yeah, right now it's uh, Instagram at J Todd Mullins because my first name is not Todd. My first name is Jefferson. So it's J Todd Mullins on Instagram. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to have to work in conjunction with you to get Pastor Julie on here as well in the future, because yeah. I think uh, You'll see a lot where of the, the real brain power is when you get <laughs> Julie on here. Yeah, she'll she'll tell it like it really is. <laughs> she'll help everybody a lot. I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, here at Avail, the Avail Journal is one of the resources we put out quarterly uh, for, for leaders just to get practical leadership resources. There's awesome, awesome uh, material. I don't know if you've had a chance to check out 
the Avail Journal, Pastor Todd, but we love yeah. to get good leadership resources right. in people's hands. What do you think about leadership resources? Oh man, we needed to keep, we got to grow ourselves. If we stop growing ourselves, we stop growing our organization. So we have to keep learning, keep growing. That's great. That's good. So everybody, if you have not done so, you can uh, you can get you can claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal by going to availjournal.com. A year will be on us. We want we want you to have these resources, great resources from pastors and leaders uh, in the in and around church and ministry. Uh, availjournal.com. One year for free. We want you to have it. We want to bless you with it. Uh, Pastor Todd, on behalf of the Avail team, we are so honored. Um, um, to have you here with us. Could you just maybe leave one last little nugget in people's heart, leaders' hearts? What, what's one last thing you could leave on our hearts as we wrap this conversation up? Uh, a scripture I was reading today uh, that we all know, but uh, Proverbs 4.23, to guard our hearts above everything else we guard. And that when you read heart there in the original, it actually means your thinking, your soul, your inner man that you guard that above all else for out of it flows everything else. So as a leader, the most important person you lead is yourself in your inner self in your inner man and helping uh, keep that contrite before God open before the Holy spirit, man, if you do that, he'll speak to you. He'll give you the visions you need. He'll help you know what you need to do to change and become the man or woman that you need to be so that you can lead the people that he's calling you to lead. So above all else, guard your heart for out of it flows all other issues, leadership, family, everything of life. Good word. Good word. Guard our hearts, especially as leaders. Wow. Pastor Todd, thank you so much for taking this time uh, here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. We want to, we just want to say that we honor you, Pastor Todd, you, you and Pastor Julie for the work and uh, that you do for the leadership that you pour into so many people, not only in Christ Fellowship, but so many pastors uh, and leaders that you guys are impacting throughout the world. Uh, you, you, you guys are heroes and legends, and we're thankful for your lives. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy being with everybody today. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for connecting with us here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. What a great conversation here with Pastor Todd Mullins of Christ Fellowship Church. We hope you've been challenged and encouraged. Uh, every time you connect here on the Avail Leadership Podcast, you're going to grow. You're going to be challenged. And we're going to push you to be the best leader that you can be. So thanks again for connecting with us here at the Avail Leadership Podcast. My name is Virgil Sierra. We'll see you next time right here. We hope you've been challenged by this conversation with Todd Mullins. Remember, for more information on the Christ Fellowship Conference, visit ChristFellowshipConference.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at TheArtOfLeadership.com. Make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at AvailJournal.com. And if you'd like to connect to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit AvailLeadershipConnect.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Leadership Podcast.